This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, episode 25. My name is Ben Stanfield and I'm the host of TSP. We didn't carry out a podcast last week due to the lateness of the Liverpool kickoff, but hopefully we'll be back with a bang this week. As ever, we've got some special guests with us to chat about all things Saints. First up, making his return after recharging the batteries in a no doubt exotic location, it's the chief sports writer at the Daily Echo, Adam Leach. Adam, good to have you back with us. How was your break this time? Yeah, it was good, thanks. Yeah, it doesn't. It feels like ages away, doesn't it, when you've been back for a bit? Certainly, the Liverpool game was actually my my first day back working again, and uh, that felt back to work with a bang. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Especially after the second half, and I had to sit there, and I was I think I was in the ground till I don't even know what time I was there. There was so much work to do as well. It was like gone ten. I was like, oh, this day will it never end? I know, I know. Obviously, people won't know this, but I was uh, I chuckled to myself. I got a, a a direct message from you about an hour after the kickoff saying thank goodness we're not doing a podcast tonight so there, there we go so uh, <laughs> yeah. good stuff and it's good to have you back as ever secondly fresh off a visit across the channel to watch Saints against Liverpool as well and catch up with his no doubt many thousands of friends and admirers is Robbie Reed at Saints in France Robbie good to have you on again how's things over there in Normandy ah, very good thank you raining as normal but yeah lovely and all healthy and happy every time I speak to you it's raining isn't it it is it's it's famous it, for rain in Normandy. I didn't know that when I moved here. No one, no one told me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's lovely, and the garden's looking great. Good. Should. Good. Good. Oh, well, that's good to hear. So excellent. And uh, thirdly, this week we're delighted to welcome Mark Taylor at Saint underscore Mark underscore two one one. Mark, it's a pleasure having you with us. And uh, obviously, we'll talk more about your story, both personally and following Saints. But uh, how was your trip down to Southampton? I know you were down for the Liverpool game as, as well last week, so you had quite a good weekend by the looks of it. It was the best weekend I've ever had in my life by a long stretch, and that's pretty much all thanks to Robbie. Um, It was fantastic. There was loads of things arranged that I didn't know about. So it was all a bit of a surprise, and it was really, really good. Um, It was the best best I could ever have asked for. Um, And to be honest, I just want to come back. 
Yeah, I just wish I was down. I just wish I was down there permanently. Um, <laughs> Southampton mad, um, and all the way up north. Um, it's it's not the best, but um, still always and will always be a Saints fan. So good, good it's man. all good. Good man. It's a shame the football kind of got in the way of an amazing weekend, really, wouldn't it? But uh, there we go. I was, I was going to ask because obviously for those that don't know, Mark, you're based up in Redcar, which uh, is is uh, I'm saying up in Redcar, but I'm up in Scotland, so you're actually down in Redcar for me. But uh, I, I was going to ask how you sort of got into following Saints, Mark. Uh, yeah, um, pretty much just random, really. Um, I picked them when I was a, a child. It was the first ever match I watched was Southampton against Manchester United. I think it was in 1988. Um, just about to turn three. Um, and the 1-4-1, Matt Lattice scored a couple and Ron Atkinson got sacked the next morning. And yeah, I've just followed them ever since. And Matt Lattice has always been my hero ever since. No, that, that makes two of us. I can certainly think of, uh, I'm sure there's uh, worse teams to follow out there than being a Saints fan, Mark, absolutely. Well, it's uh, as I say, it's uh, it's great, Adam and I have the pleasure of having you and Robbie on. Um, Adam, before we move on, I was going to, um, or I popped a, a screenshot out this week, because we, we always keep an eye, don't we, on who's uh, following the pod and where they're listening to. And uh, on the, the latest, over the last couple of weeks, there was um, listens in both Fiji and Nepal. And uh, I know I sort of pinged a, a message out and you sort of came back saying it's uh, pretty amazing at the moment, isn't it, with regards to the podcast and where people are listening in the world it's uh, it's bizarre some of the locations that are cropping up yeah it's amazing um to you know for i think for both of us as well given that we just started this in the summer as a bit of a project and I, we didn't know whether we would just be talking to ourselves or whether anybody would ever listen to it uh it's really great and the feed the feedback's been is always lovely to see as well and um um, especially when it's good <laughs> and uh, the other thing i love as well is when people tell us where they listen to podcasts because I'm a big podcast fan. I'm a big podcast listener. I listen to a lot uh, of different things, uh, interests uh, of mine as well, away from football. Um, and yeah, so and I listen to it in all kinds of weird and wonderful places when I'm doing various different things. So I always love hearing where, where people are, are listening to it and where in the world as well. It's, it's great for us, I think. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I've made myself believe this week, Adam, that for the Nepal one, uh, I, I was re- I was really hoping that someone was climbing Mount Everest when they were listening to Simon Peach and Glenda Lacour, and they were sort of in the the final stages of, of getting up to the top of Everest and all that. Well, if they were listening to Peachy, they probably chucked themselves off. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, yeah, fair enough. So well, hopefully Peachy's not listening this time, but there we go. So, Although I, I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, there him, we really. go. So no, absolutely. Well, all, all I was going to say was obviously wherever you are listening to the podcast in the world, uh, whether it's uh, in Redcar, whether it's over in France, whether it's in uh, in uh, Nepal or wherever, don't forget you can get in touch with Adam and myself at uh, totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear, hear from you, just whatever your views are on Saints, anything to do with the podcast, anything like that. So uh, fantastic, and it's uh, much appreciated. Um, on this episode of Total Saints Podcast, we're going to reflect on the recent Liverpool and West Brom games. To be honest, we'll probably spend more time on the West Brom game because we actually won that. Um, we're going to hear from Robbie and Mark on some of their experiences last weekend as we discussed. We're going to talk to Mark about his personal day-to-day challenges with myeloma and look ahead to another critical game for Saints up at Burnley in the Premier League. So without further ado, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 25. So as ever with Saints, it's been an up and down week, being well beaten by Liverpool at St Mary's in the Premier League, 
2-0, as I predicted in the podcast last time out. Adam, uh, I know you went on the podcast, but it turned out it was a triple points week as well, so I got 60 million for that, so that was good. Yeah, so, uh... yeah that's a surprise. Yeah, I thought it might be. I think that happened last time I was away. You got one right. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, before, obviously, they secured their passage through to the quarterfinal of the um, FA Cup yesterday by beating West Bromwich Albion 2-1. Um, reflecting on the Liverpool game briefly, Adam, just because... Uh, I don't think we should skip over it. In terms of that, it was you know another poor performance really at home for Saints, almost sort of passionless and effortless in the second half. It almost seemed like they were just sort of happy with a, a 2-0 defeat. But, I mean, played all right in the first half, had a couple of chances, gave away some sloppy goals. But ultimately, it wasn't really the sort of performance that maybe the, the games before that indicated it might be. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair summary all in all. And, and I agree, first half, it wasn't stunning, but it wasn't too bad. And second half... That, that was worrying. I felt really worried after going away from that because I really felt that there had been some momentum. And even though I know a lot of people were still yeah, very uh, critical of Maurizio Pellegrino and, and his tactics and, and the way the team were going, you could at least, I, I think, make a fair argument that things were very gently improving. And then after that game, it just looked like a team devoid of all belief, just out of nowhere, and a team that, frankly, on that form, would be probably doomed. The fact that they went... 2-0 down, uh, I think probably most people in the crowd or most people watching on on Sky at home thought the Saints have got no chance of coming back from this, uh, which I think would probably be quite fair. But you would hope that the players would at least be the ones that didn't believe it and would give it a go. But they looked as if they did believe it. Uh, and, and, yeah, and that was a very uh, demoralising, um, potentially demoralising, but... In fairness to them, uh, I know we talk about West Brom, but they picked themselves back up again and, and got back on with it. And so that looks hopefully more like just a bit of a blip uh, against a decent team rather than this is the way it's going to be for the rest of the season. Robbie, I know you were obviously there as well. I mean, what uh, what did you make of it? Similar to Adam's views of watching the game, it kind of felt like it was uh, a bit too easy for Liverpool. Yeah, pretty much so. I'm, I mean, the, the first half, um, I sort of went in in after the first half thinking well we've had several chances we've not taken they've had three and they've taken two of them and I was sort of fairly optimistic for a fighting second half but literally I mean that second half I was I was sort of almost speechless in shock to be honest because it I thought that the substitutions were, were bizarre to say the least um, and we the team like, like Adam said the team just, it looked like they'd come out to play f- for a 2-0 loss. Um, there was no confidence, no, no passion. It was a totally different sort of setup to the first half in many respects. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was fairly shocked. But like Adam said, I, um, I also feel it, it may have been like a, a bit of a blip. Um, things had been improving slightly. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed it, it's going to continue that way. Mark, I know obviously this is a Southampton podcast, but we saw Liverpool go away to Porto during the week and spank them 5-0. So actually, 2-0 at home. I mean, as I say, I know second half was a bit of a cruise, but what, what did you sort of make of the St Mary's atmosphere and things like that? I mean, did you feel that the sort of crowd were behind Saints or did it feel like it was just one of those games that kind of Saints and Saints fans wanted to get out of the way and focus on more winnable fixtures? First of all, for the fans' perspective, the fans have always been amazing. They've always got behind the team. They've always stood by the team. And, you know, when a couple of bad substitution decisions go against us, um, some people may call and question the manager's decisions. Now, 
I was probably one of those people because I didn't understand why he made the changes that he did. But the whole experience was in the ground, probably from even before the game started. So much positivity and they got behind the team. And I think once the couple of goals went in for Liverpool, I think a couple of heads dropped on the pitch and then I think a couple of heads dropped in the stands and then it kind of went from there. But then I think the, the substitutions made it worse. Mm. And I think that, unfortunately, the the decisions on the substitutions were baffling. And I think a lot of the fans thought that. Um, but they still got behind the team um, as best they could. Um, and, and just, yeah, they've always stuck behind the team. And long may that continue. Um a couple of managerial decisions with substitutions. Um, yeah, it'll get it, you know it baffles the fans, but we've always we've always stuck by the team, uh, and that's what we need to remember, and that's what we need to take into the rest of the season. In my opinion, completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And Adam, just on the flip side of that, talking of substitutions, Mr. Klopp obviously did his best to rub it rub it in our faces by not only bringing Lallana on, but then bringing uh, Mr. Lovren on in the last couple of minutes as well. So that really sort of summed up a good day. Yeah, I think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> given by his judging by his comments before the game as well I'm not sure despite the fact he signed so many players or the club Liverpool has from Southampton I'm not sure he's desperately keen on Saints is he really <laughs> he didn't sound like he liked the liked Saints very much and I think I'm sure uh, the feelings I'm sure the feelings mutual I think it probably is but um <laughs> but yeah very grateful for all the money I suppose but otherwise <laughs> otherwise yeah, yeah. um yeah, and I, I think I think it was probably quite deliberate, wasn't it? It wasn't. Uh, I don't think it was a coincidence or, or just a happen chance. I think that that was a very deliberate move from him. Um, and I, I must admit, I sort of giggled at the time when I saw Lovren taking his top off. I was like, oh, this is just about the final insult, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could have played it from the start if we, you know, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? Oh, it probably would have given us more of a chance, exactly. wouldn't it? But, yeah, uh, yeah, there we go. For so. the win. <laughs> um, and Rob, Robbie, just to finish on the Liverpool game, I was just going to ask your impressions of Skido Carrillo in the flesh. I, I know he's taken a bit of flat from Saints fans the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think we've all agreed he's maybe been a bit isolated. But what was your sort of view of Carrillo just uh, having watched him in the flesh? Um, yeah, it's it's... It's quite indicative of, um, well, mainly the, the main social media I use is Twitter, and um, quite bizarre that the guy's basically just arrived, and he, I think he's been described as a cart horse and, and several other things. But personally, I, I thought he, he showed a lot of passion. He, he kept his head up. He, he tried the whole time he was on the pitch. Um, and I think his height in the box will be... Eventually, we will see that that will be a great asset for us, especially with the kind of free kicks and, and, and dead balls that Prowsey can put into the area. And also, I think he's what... I mean, since Graziano left, I think we've been missing that kind of player um, that can play consistently. I know Charlie Austin can, can get in the box. He's got the height, but obviously um, he's always a slight injury worry. So, yeah, I think... Um, we will see Guido come into his own, um, fingers crossed, and he's young enough to uh, totally improve and adapt. So we move on to West Brom and the FA Cup, and hopefully I list everything here, and apologies to any Baggies fans that are listening if I do miss anything, but West Brom find themselves with three league wins all season. They've uh, sat their chairman and chief exec this week. 
They have Jay Rodriguez in the middle of a potential racism case. They have four players who stole and abandoned a taxi on the team's warm weather camp in Spain. Alan Pardew has his mobile phone and wallet nicked on the same trip as well. I think that's everything, but if I have missed anything, as I say, I apologise. Adam, a club, let's say, it's pretty uh, sort of state of disarray at the moment, West Brom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they still need beating. And, and at home, I'll give, give credit to the West Brom fans. Blimey, they were right behind the team uh, the weekend, which given, uh, well, they had a few boos for the uh, for the cab four, as they're apparently now known. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, they got right behind their team. And in fairness uh, to them, they stuck right by them as well, um, which, you know, given the state they're in, you wouldn't blame them for sort of abandoning them. Uh, to a certain extent but I mean to be honest they look sunk now I think Saints pretty much sunk them with that win a couple of weeks ago um, and very hard to see much hope for them now and with everything that's going on they're off the pitch as well I think that's one less relegation place to worry about Robbie, I was going to ask just your view on the um, chairman and the chief exec being sacked. Um, obviously, this stage of the season, I, I know there's been a lot of flack towards Saints board and uh, and those sort of things, but making that decision as West Brom have done, I mean, I know we're not too bothered about it in terms of its uh, impact on Saints, but a bold move, a kind of a, a sort of nervous move. I mean, what, what was your view on that? Uh, personally, I think that was a, we're going to the championship and we are going to start building now. Um, like it, yeah. yeah, if I'm totally honest, I think that uh, um, I think it's uh, you could say a bold move. I think it's a realistic move. I think, like like Adam yourself have just said, I think they are gone. Um, it will take more than a minor miracle to save them. So I think they're they're planning ahead. They're they're making the changes now um, for a push to to come back up. I, I think it's a, a very wise and clever move. And Mark, in terms of the taxi incident, again, I'm not uh, not saying it's something I've ever come across too much as a football fan, but again, not not something you need when you're bottom of the division and uh, been on the run that they're on. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, the last thing you need when you're in a situation like they find themselves in is things like that happening um, because, you know, they say that it starts from the car, so you need to have things run in a fluid motion because if it doesn't run in a fluid motion... Dissension in the camp starts, people start arguing, falling out, yep. and then obviously have got other cases going on, um, and it's, you know, from from their perspective, I, I second and third everyone's views, I think they're gone, um, and I think they're just getting ready to start again in the championship, to be honest. In terms of on the pitch then, Adam, obviously it was a, a solid, you know, good win for Saints, maybe lucky at times, I, I, we can talk about the goalkeeper in a minute particularly, but I guess, you know, three to the quarterfinals now, obviously that's a positive, we're expecting to play Man City, but they've still got to get past Wigan, so confidence and uh, looking ahead, I mean, is that, assuming we get Man City away, Adam, is that likely to cause an issue with confidence, or do you think winning every game that you can at this stage of the season should hopefully breed confidence? No, I don't. I don't think it's any kind of an issue. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You play Man City in the quarterfinals and you lose, which is what everybody expects to happen if you're playing, especially you're playing away from home. So, worst case scenario really isn't all that bad. Best case scenario, you go out there and beat them, and, and what a huge confidence boost that is. And they ran them so close um, earlier in the season up there that. Well, they will probably feel they can go and give it a go. Great advantage. Obviously, the quarterfinals uh, this year are decided on the day. No replays. So why not? You know, why not? You get it one day. Who knows? Um, especially depending on what the fixture schedule looks like for Man City going into that game. It might not be 
absolutely number one on the top of their list of priorities at that point in time. Also, I think probably a slight bonus, depending on where the Swansea game that would have been that weekend gets bumped to. Now, it will be a midweek, obviously, which which will uh, make one week harder for Saints than it would otherwise have been. But actually, given the way the fixtures are broken down and, and the fact that they've got all these this run where they were going to be playing all these teams around them in one hit, more or less, and then a much harder finish to the season. I actually think it might benefit them to have one or two of those sort of games of the Swansea type actually bumped to a little bit later in the season and not have all that pressure heaped on them in, in one go. So maybe that might work to their advantage. And in terms of um, the confidence, yes, the cup's important. I, I was thinking over the weekend, actually, is it seems rather strange because I think really when you reflect on last season, heading back there for a bit, it was probably the EFL Cup and the run to the final that sort of held things together at Saints for Claude Puel for a long time. And obviously when uh, that fizzled out, when they lost, the, the season just sort of died away, really, didn't it? And then uh, he was he was obviously out in the summer. And this year for Maurizio Pellegrino, the FA Cup really has been fairly major for him. I mean, it's provided... Uh, it has provided a sense of momentum for them. You look since... Well, since the uh, they, they beat Fulham, I think, just at the start of the year, didn't they, in the third round? Yeah. Um, they've obviously beaten Watford. They've beaten West Brom. In that period, I think they've actually... The Liverpool game is the only game that they've lost, I think I'm right in saying, in, in, which is eight, I think, in all competitions. So, actually, the FA Cup has provided something meaningful there. But also, from Pellegrino's point of view, if there were questions about uh, him and, and his future, I think those wins have actually been quite timely for him personally as well uh, and have kept the momentum rolling and I think that it's got to the point now um, given that almost certainly he, he will obviously be to let him have all the way through to the quarterfinal uh, now now that he's got there um, basically I, I think it's probably time or I hope it's time that, that discontent or not that fans kind of come to the conclusion that unless something absolutely unforeseen happens um he is going to be the manager for for the rest of this season at least. So it's you know perhaps time to pack away too much of the griping and um, there's a not that he should be exempt from criticism, but there's plenty of time to work work out the future when this season ends. But obviously for now the priority is staying up. Uh, but I think the so I think the FA Cup's been very important for him as as the EFL Cup was for Puel, which is a which is an unusual sort of a parallel between this season and last in a, in a strange kind of way. Yeah, I think it, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think it'll take more than a few FA Cup wins for some fans. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with your point. And I know you've made it quite a few times over the last few weeks about everyone getting behind uh, you know, the club and uh, and those sorts of things. So um, obviously the quarterfinals is the, the first time now that we've been in the quarterfinals since 2004, 2005. And I know we've spoken, Adam, previously about the similarities that are sort of ha- heading between this season and 2004, uh, 05. And uh, I tweeted about it last night, actually, just saying that obviously we lost to the quarterfinals in 2004, 05 to Manchester United. We then played them at home on the last day of the season and got relegated. This season, in the quarterfinal, we got Manchester the city and we're playing them at home on the last day of the season so the similarities keep coming really don't they yeah it doesn't stop does it <laughs> in fact funnily enough i i uh we were talking about it yesterday after the game in the press room before the draw was uh made later on in the evening and, and sort of actually we were saying well wouldn't it be a strange coincidence if it ended up being man city and sure enough uh you know 
<laughs> you could almost put your mortgage on it, couldn't you? There was going to be them come out. But we, we ran a poll actually yesterday, which was interesting on, on the Echo website, uh, just in the in the blog, uh, just to ask fans, what would you prefer, to win the FA Cup but get relegated? Or um, would you prefer uh, getting knocked out of the Cup now uh, against West Brom but staying up? And the overwhelming majority, I think it was about 80%, went for uh, staying up rather than cup glory, which I think is, in a way, fair enough um, to a certain extent. But then the only thing I'd say about that is who remembers any of the team that finished second, but everybody can name the 76 cup final team. Um, so there is something to be said for a good cup run, a bit of glory. Um, so, yes, I give you with the way the draw is. It looks unlikely, doesn't it, now, unfortunately, the way it's happened. But why not? You know, one-off games now. And... and from Saints' point of view, I think that just simply when you haven't won many games in a season, winning matches is um, is galvanising and it builds momentum. And we know how important momentum is in football. And let's be honest, that's something Saints could do with going into a, a big run of games. So I, I can only find positives with the fact that they're still progressing. I was certainly one of those eighty percent, Alan. By the way, um, in terms of <laughs> in terms championships, of, not that bad. Come well, on. No, but I'd rather st- <laughs> well, I'd, I'd rather stay in the Premier League. I think, <laughs> yeah, but there we go. Um, Mark, Mark. In terms of Adams, obviously said there about the FA Cup run, and you know our league form has been quite disappointing this season. So, I mean, are, are you in agreement with Adam that obviously you know a decent cup run? We didn't have a great Carabao Cup run, so at least making up for it in the FA Cup and winning a few games, and that that obviously does bring some form of sort of positivity to everyone in and around Saints. Absolutely. Um, I'm like Adam. I'm a very a strong believer in momentum, and the team winning a game, whether it be in the league or the cup, brings momentum and brings confidence and brings a sense of togetherness. Because if they feel that they can win a game, regardless of who it's against and what competition it's in, um, when it becomes to those tough, crucial games that we've got coming up, if we stick together and we're winning games, whether it be in the cup, that's going to instill a little bit of confidence and that's what we need in this situation, confidence and the team playing together and working together and getting the results because that's what's coming down to now, getting results. Um, So any type of result as a win um, in any competition for me is great. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And Robbie, the other thing I was just going to ask, Adam sort of mentioned it there. Obviously, that's now going to mean that the Swansea game is rearranged, which could be a, a positive or negative. You know, it could mean that we're playing catch up. But uh, again, that, that, that could mean that the Man City game actually comes at the right time because, you know, if we are struggling a bit in the league after uh, Burnley, Stoke and Newcastle, it gives them a bit of a break before another push for the final sort of stages of the league season. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I totally agree with what Adam said. I mean, there are only positives from that because... We, we, there's two trains of thought. You, you can have the half, half, glass half empty, which is like if we're struggling after those three games, we, we, we've got the break. But the other side of that coin is with um, McCarthy starting to really show his worth in goal. Mm. If we've had a really good run on those three games, then going up to City with, with McCarthy having a good game and maybe a couple of the defenders going up to score some more goals, anything can happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a positive, definitely. Totally. I mean, yeah, I would imagine that Guardiola will take the cup seriously, but you don't know what they'll be doing in the Champions League at that stage. The league title may be very close by then as well, so there could be other priorities, couldn't they? Um, Adam, Robbie's just mentioned there Alex McCarthy. I just wanted to give a quick 
discussion about him. We, you know, you and I have both been fairly positive towards Fraser Forster. I don't think either of us think he's not a good goalkeeper. But likewise, there's been calls for McCarthy to get a chance this season. That's ten games he's played now, Adam. He's only conceded eleven goals, so he really had another fantastic performance up at West Brom. Yeah, I mean that was his best performance uh, of the lot, really. I mean, quite a lot of the games that he's played so far, to be completely honest, he's not really had huge amounts of work to do. He's um, either found himself occasionally picking the ball out of the net when he's had basically no chance with anything, or uh, Saints have actually been defending an awful lot better. And they're, they're, I think his coming into the team, I'm not saying that it's, it's um, mere coincidence, because that would probably be unfair, but it, it has coincided, obviously, with Southampton, uh, actually, as we spoke about, improving their form, uh, they are playing better. They're beginning to look uh, most of the time like a team that actually, whether you like the way they play or not, but they actually look like they're understanding the way that Pellegrino wants them to play. And they look like they have some sort of a game plan now. Um, and McCarthy definitely has, has played a part and also been a beneficiary of the fact that he's come in kind of at that time when, when things are getting uh, better as well. And at West Brom, that was by far the best we've seen because he, he actually had to make a string of good saves, which he did. And I, I think, well, f- for me, more than that, I, I was more, I was less impressed with the saves because I think most goalkeepers at the top level make good saves. That's just, that's just what they do. It's the rest of the game that sets the, uh, sets them apart from the others. And actually West Brom were very, very direct yesterday. They were trying to get the ball into the channels for Rodriguez to chase, trying to turn the Saints defense, or they were going, uh, a lot of the time, very direct into Rondon, who's obviously a big presence, and they were slinging the ball in the box an awful lot, uh, corners and, and crosses every time they could they could get it in. And he was a big presence in there. It, you put yourself in the position of of the defenders, um, and you you really you want to know what your goalkeeper's going to do. Your preference as a defender is for your goalkeeper to come and deal with things, uh, to take the pressure off of you. But you just want to know exactly what they're going to do. And the fact that McCarthy comes for pretty much everything has uh, obviously gets the heart in the mouth a few times because you feel like, well, eventually this might actually go wrong at some point. But the fact that he's coming for everything, um, the defenders know what's going on. It's very, very positive. And yesterday he was uh, he was a huge presence. I mean, literally a huge presence. He came and he, he caught and he, and he punched or clear so many balls into the box. That's a big thing because I think the thing with, with Forster credit to him he wasn't inconsistent the majority of the time he would stay the defenders know he knew he wasn't going to come a lot of the time but obviously it's a very different uh, approach I think McCarthy's been very positive and and that was at West Brom uh, to my mind the best performance we've seen from him by by quite some distance Mark in terms of um, someone else I was just going to give a quick shout out to Wesley Hoyt um, obviously he's had a few air kicks over the last few weeks and um, there was one in the second half yesterday I think that uh, almost led to a goal but um, you know he got his first goal for Saints yesterday has obviously tried to step up and uh, take the position now that you know who's left for Liverpool but what have you made of him since he's joined Saints? We're actually having a discussion about this um, after the after the Liverpool game yeah. with, with, with Robbie yeah. and Jim McCallion and Robbie's going to chuckle to himself now um, because <laughs> I don't I don't really rate him that highly at the moment Um I don't say I don't rate him highly. Um, I just think Yoshida and Stevens is a better partnership. Yep. Um, Yoshida's had injuries and things. Um, he's had a few air shots, but I'm really glad he scored um, yesterday. Um, and I think that, again, like we, I said previous about confidence, that's only going to breed confidence to him because he's got a goal. And, you know, if we're winning games, 
in his confidence goes up. What you might find is if he's a confidence player, that'll instill his confidence to make him. He works hard anyway, but work that bit harder and work with his centre back partner um, a bit more. Um, I just think he likes to try and walk it out of the defence a bit rather than get it clear. Um, yeah. But that'll only come with getting used to the Premier League. Um, obviously, he's a new player, so we've got to give him a chance. So, um, but no, I re- to be fair, I do think he's improved recently. Um, and, and let's hope that continues. And I'm really glad he scored. I really am. Absolutely. Yeah, no, to be fair, I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I'm still not convinced by him. Adam, you were probably the cl- closest person to him yesterday, I think, by the time you stuck that in the net, weren't you? West, West Brom defenders went AWOL. I don't know where they were. It was remarkable. <laughs> it was just like they, they were... They, you could kind of see West Brom shirts, but yet there seemed to be nobody there at the same time. It was amazing how they got out of the way. Uh, almost perfectly choreographed for him to just stroll through. But it was a good finish, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't... Yeah straightforward I mean yes you would expect him to score from there but I mean it's still eight yards out the ball's dropping first time side foot volley straight in the bottom corner no messing about good job Bosh and, and Robbie just to finish on the West Brom game then that's three wins against West Brom this season as we mentioned earlier for Pellegrino so he's obviously enjoyed some uh, rare success uh, against them but what, what have you made of him since the last time we spoke which was what September time Robbie it's difficult I mean I, being a fairly positive kind of guy I, I mean I always try to uh, to back back the team back the manager um, I've been bemused like I said before I've, I've been bemused by some of his tactics and some of his his substitutions etc but I think if I'm totally totally honest um, he wasn't up to the job when he came but that is changing slowly um, yep. and I am hopeful very very hopeful that at the conclusion of this season, he's totally adapted to the Premiership. He's um, settled in, the team are with him, and we can have some positivity moving forward into next season. And and the guy stays with us. I, I mean, as you know, personally, we, we've spoken before, I, I, I was a, an advocate of Claude Puel. Yep. Um, I didn't like the fact that he was let go. And I think this season would have been very, very different with maybe some more players coming in that, that he wanted um, but but like I say that's by the by we've got what we've got now and yeah since last time we spoke I, I, I've seen an improvement um, still amazes me sometimes still I, my eyes go to the back of my head and I think well what's he doing but it's uh, like Adam said we have seen recently an improvement and fingers crossed that continues and I'm hoping above hope from the club's perspective that by the end of this season we're still in the premiership we've had a good run in the FA Cup and and the guys settled and the club has settled with him and the players obviously We're going to have a chat to Mark now about his daily challenges suffering with myeloma uh, Mark for those that don't know what is myeloma Myeloma is a cancer um, of the blood and bone marrow. So it's basically a condition where um, cancerous blood cells, basically what they do is they outnumber the good cells that run around your blood in your body. Um, And these cancerous blood cells stick together and they form growths on bones and they get into your bone marrow. Now, unfortunately, from my perspective, I'm currently in a situation where my blood is affected. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I've had some 
very bad times over the last couple of months with my mobility and my spine. Um, and a couple of scans have shown that I've got a couple of growths on my spine now as well. Okay. Um, and I'm currently going through a vigorous testing and investigations um, just to clarify um, whether it's got into my bones as well. Mm. Now, that's quite worrying, obviously being 31 years old and obviously having blood cancer or any type of cancer at that age is, is not good. Um, but on the other hand, you know, <laughs> cancer's cancer and in terms of it being in the blood, it's kind of a positive thing um, because... You know, if you get, you know, if you get a cancer where you get a tumour, um, a full-on tumour, um, and you get told you're at stage whatever, three, four, um, and, you, and, you know, your life's going to be limited drastically, um, you know, you get told you get weeks or months left to live, like, like I can't imagine what that must feel like, mm, mm. Uh, but in terms of the blood cancer, that is there, and they're keeping it at a level where it's not going to get to that point at the minute, which is fantastic and, and great, the only downside obviously with any type of cancer is infections now i am ridiculously bad for getting infections at the moment and um, but that's only because my immune system's absolutely shot but that's what this type of cancer does because the the cancer cells in the blood attack your good cells that means your immune system gets shot so basically it's just a case of trying to fight each infection as it comes um, the mobility side of things, you know, although I go through a lot of pain um, daily, um, it, it, to be fair, it's it, that, that's not as bad as you would think. Um, I'd much rather have that than be at a situation where, you know, I'm going through vigorous chemotherapy on a regular basis, losing my hair, having no ability to even get up and lift my head off the pillow every day. Um, so I'm quite lucky in that respect. Um Obviously, it's just a case of following the journey, fighting off what I can, when I can, and fingers crossed that the, these investigations that I'm due to have aren't going to show that it's got into my bones as well. Um, but that's a challenge for another day. So that's a, just that situation, I suppose, at the moment. Yeah, and it's, I mean, obviously puts life into perspective. I mean, I know you're a, a dad as well, like me, and I know you obviously have a job as well. So, I mean, what's daily challenges like, Mark? Because it's not, you know, obviously you're trying to spin quite a few plates to be fair, over the last two years of having this, I've found strength that I didn't even know I had. Um, it's such a, it's such a, it's such an eye-opening thing, really. Like you get hit with a situation like this, and you just, I don't know. In the, in the first instance, you think, "Oh my God," you know, "All right, okay, so how long have I got left?" Type thing. But you know, when you get told these things that you've got this type of thing, I suppose. As a positive person that I am, um, I just took it on board and said, right, okay, so I've got this to deal with. I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to keep fighting it, and I won't let it beat me, and I'll keep going. And, you know, getting up, getting up some days is really hard, and having infections after infections after infections is even worse because it just knocks you for absolute six. Um, I've got a little boy, yes, um, called Nathan. I absolutely love him. Um, he's four, five in April. Um, he lives with his mum from previous relationship, but I still see him every weekend or at least twice a week. So, you know, it, it, just him himself, he, he keeps me going um, himself. He, he's an amazing little boy. Um, and, you know, just thinking of him every day, you know, it makes me fight more um, and going to work um, currently working two days at work and three days 
from home yeah. um, when I'm well. So, you know, I'm trying to keep the normality. I think that's the, the main thing, having some type of normality in your life, although you're going through what you're going through. Because I think if you just went into your shell and thought, oh, no, that's it, basically, I think you'd just go into yourself and that probably would be it. Um, and I've got so much to live for, like Robbie and, my f- and, and the guys down in Southampton when I came down. I know we'll touch on that yeah. later. Yeah. But w- what an experience that was, and just to just to have some people who care for me and support me is it's, it's absolutely touched my heart, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It really is nice, and just having just having a positive attitude. That's all I can say, really. Um, just making sure that you think that regardless of what you've got and what you're facing. You can beat it, and if you keep that positive mindset, you're on a, you're on to a good start. Absolutely. And so far, two years in, so. No, good man, good man. And I, I know there's a lot of criticism about social media these days, but probably the opposite with you, because I know you've become a bit of a legend on uh, the Saints uh, hashtag. I know everyone's got a lot of love for you, and I know um, despite being up there in red car, likewise you you give a lot of love back. So I imagine that sort of helps to to, to get through days as well. All the the sort of love and care from the Saints fans. Oh. Right. When I was on, I first got into like getting on Twitter and, and Robbie like did a shout out for me and see, it's just took off since then. It's like I can't even tell you what it means to me. Like the Saints fans, everybody, like everybody wishes me well, asks me how I'm doing. A lot of Saints fans send me messages. A lot of people have, have like got my number now and send me text messages to say how I'm doing or just, just basics, just the basic things just higher how you're doing it means everything the littlest things go the furthest way to me and just having so many nice words of support from everybody is it just touches my heart and it just goes to show what an amazing family club amazing amazing club from top to bottom Southampton Football Club is and it's a club I'm proud to support and I will support for the rest of my life that's brilliant and just before we talk to to Robbie about some of the stuff from last weekend so I know amazingly as well you're going to the Great North Run later on this year isn't that right so and that'll obviously be for Myeloma UK so I was going to we'll plug it when we put the podcast out we'll obviously put a link to your Just Giving page Mark but how can people go about sponsoring you? We say Great North Run. Um, I actually did it last year, and due to my mobility, I can only walk it. Yeah. It classes the same as a run, so you know, um, I'll call it a run. Just to quite get right, quite know. right. Yeah, um, but no. Um, in order to sponsor me, really, so um, obviously, just giving pages the easiest way. Um, what I am going to be doing on a regular basis between now and then is popping down to Southampton for and try and get a couple more games in before the end of the season. Um, and then in the close season as well, and probably the start of next season. Um, so what I might do is try and work something out. You know, if people aren't privy to or wanting to like donate online, because I know people have donation things online, maybe try and get some type of um, donation form set up or something, I don't know um, that'll be something for, because I know it's in September, so there's plenty of time to think ahead, um, but obviously in, in the first instance, the best way to, to donate will be through Just Giving Brilliant, uh, Robbie, obviously you were aware Mark was coming along, how did you go about sort of deciding to set up so many amazing experiences for Mark and, and what, what did you and Mark end up undertaking whilst he was down? Oh, blimey. Yeah, keeping the secret was difficult because Mark, being such an adult, was not uh, obviously messaging everyone I knew to try and find out what was happening. <laughs> or, or he may have been. Um, well, basically what happened was, I mean, 
going back to the beginning of the story, I, I saw Mark's original tweet, and um, it, it was just—I I just knew that he was such a good guy, and, and I wanted to be friends with him. You, you can just tell—you you just know straight away. So I did the shout out, um, and some fantastic people. I mean, it, it instantly took off, um, which was fantastic from my point of view because um, I knew Mark was being followed by some of the people that follow me and I know they're great guys um, so when we were talking about maybe Mark coming down and I knew I was coming over for the match um, I basically sort of the, the first thing I did was I, I had a private word with Matt um, because I knew Matt was hoping to meet up with Mark um, Matt who Robbie? Matt who? Um, Matt I had, had, had a private word with Matt and we decided that we, we'd leave it with me because obviously with Matt being busy um, he said he'd fit in whatever we could organise um, so I was getting in touch with the club and then um, heard back from a lovely lady at the club called Terry uh, she was very keen to get involved and, and to help so it basically went from there where we were originally just going to be meeting up with Mark and then it was then organised that we could have a private tour of uh, Staplewood with Mark on the day he arrived, um, which is obviously quite difficult to set up from the perspective of the club because of training, etc., and players being on site. Um, but Terry got that organised. She also organised a, a pickup from the airport for Mark, but Mark was expecting a, a little rusty Citroen. Um, whereas we, we turned up in a lovely Mercedes courtesy of the club which was fantastic of them um, and also for the match day um, they also arranged that we could be in hospitality together and uh, that was a real joy to tell Mark what was happening because bef when we when we picked Mark up at the airport we, we went straight to St Mary's um, to have a tour of the ground with Terry and also have a have lunch there so of course we're seeing all the hospitality areas and Mark's like wow this would be a dream one day and I'm thinking yeah someday it might be um, <laughs> so yeah so it was, it was really good it was very hard to keep the secrets because obviously with so many people wanting to see and meet Mark um, I had to obviously DM people that I could see messaging Mark saying oh we'll catch up there here and then I, I had to sort of like um, it was going crazy because um, Mark, with being such a positive and, and friendly guy, has made so many friends to try and keep an eye on Twitter to see what other people are organising with him without actually letting him know um, was very difficult. But it, it was so worth it. Um, we had a fantastic time. Like I say, the club, the club were immense in helping us organise this. Um, Matt, exactly the same. It, it, it was... Uh, it was it was fantastic that the game was on the Sunday, so that Matt could attend. Um, Kenzie Benali the same. She was very keen to be involved and, and, and to meet Mark. So it it all ran perfectly um, to the point where Matt wandered into the to the suite and uh, it, it was great, absolutely great. We had we had great fun um, and just seeing Mark's face meant the world to me. To be honest with you, I. I it, it uh, from from my perspective, with moving over to France, going back to St Mary's. I mean, I I appreciate every game, be it a win or a loss. So it's just to be able to be there. Um, so from my perspective, I'd have been happy sort of sitting on the roof. I don't know heights, but I'd have been happy sitting on the roof on, on a 
on a tea towel looking down, but to be able to, to make some of Mark's um, dreams come true was fantastic. Uh, and their I mean, their experiences that many people can't, you know, don't get the opportunity to have. And from my point of view, it was, it was lovely to see Mark's face um, experience and all these things. Absolutely superb. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, the, the one big bonus is my my little girl sort of came along with us, and uh, Sophie and popped out the side of the gym as we're walking by at Staplewood. We'd obviously made, been made quite clear to us we're not allowed to talk to the players, so I obviously ignored that and <laughs> asked for a photograph. <laughs> um, which he, he gladly obliged to. So, no, it's fantastic. It, it was a really great weekend. Um, and I, I'm sure Mark appreciated all the work put in by all of his friends as well and, and everyone at the club. Absolutely. What was the best bit, Mark, if you could pick one bit from your uh, your experience last weekend? I know that'll be hard, but... God, no, you're asking a question. <laughs> um... um... Well, if a bit, well, a bit. Matt Latis is my hero, so it'd have to be meeting Matt Latis. But yeah. taking all that aside, meeting Robbie, it's the best part of it. Because yeah. if none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Robbie. And I love him a bit, he knows I do. So, you know, if meeting him was the best part of the whole week. And I, I don't like, you know, everything else aside, all the amazing things aside, meeting Robbie was the best part of this weekend, last weekend, by a mile. Yeah, good, good, good stuff, and that's why we were keen to get you both on so you could sort of have a chat about it. Adam, I know the club takes a lot of bashing from fans. Um, you know, maybe considering what's happened on the pitch, justifiably, but they continue to do pretty amazing things off the pitch and supporting Robbie and Mark with having an amazing weekend, whether the football was good or bad. Yeah, it's an incredible story as well, isn't it? Um, and as you said earlier, it does it does put things into perspective, doesn't it? I mean, that's. Uh, I always feel a bit like that anyway, because football's kind of my job, as it were. Um, you know, I don't, I don't uh, have glum days because of results and things. I know a lot of supporters do, but something like that puts puts it into perspective. And I think that's the one thing about um, about Saints, and and I really passionately hope that it it, it doesn't change too much, because I, I sense that it has changed a bit. Is that it's Southampton is a is still a provincial club really. It's um and it's a community entity. It's been a family club throughout its its long history. Um, its traditions and its legends and things like that are very important to people. And and I hope that in, in this era where football is a big business, where you get a lot of uh, foreign owners. Obviously, Southampton is owned exclusively by 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 foreigners. Um, that it doesn't stray from from being that, and and that it does. I think the great strength of Southampton Football Club remains um, its loyal fan base, and despite attempts to be um, huge commercially around the world and to break China and to break America, it mustn't forget that its core support are still people in the UK and England specifically, and majority of which who actually spend the money and come to the games and who really care actually live generally fairly close to the ground as well or, or you know in the region at least and I think it's really important because I, I fear that a little bit of it has already been lost I mean I've spoken about it on the podcast before I fear a little bit of that has been lost so it's great to hear stories like this because um, it, it kind of reinvigorates your faith and the one thing I know um 
for certain is that there are some really great people who work at Salamta Football Club. I know that because I'm privileged to uh, have met a lot of them, to work alongside them, and uh, <laughs> quite a lot of them my friends as well. And I think that remains the club's greatest strength, and that remains where it is rooted in the community because those people are part of it. And so I hope that that, that continues and, the, and that the histories and traditions of the club are respected um, for, for a very long time to come regardless of who owns it. Right, we're going to finish this week's podcast by just having a quick look at the next Premier League fixture away to Burnley. Burnley have no wins in 11 games. They've only scored six goals during that period. In their last home game, to be fair, they did draw one all with Man City, though. Adam, we've discussed before, but Burnley are never an easy side to play against, and Turf Moor certainly not an easy place to get a result. No, definitely not. But I think it's an opportunity here uh, for Saints. It's the start of a really important run of games. Burnley are on poor form. Uh, Saints, Liverpool side are on reasonable form. Uh, there's got to be a good chance here. It's going to be difficult. You know what you're up against against Burnley. You know... Um, you'll have a vociferous home crowd in a sort of an old, uh, older stadium, which you know the atmosphere can be quite harsh and intimidating. You know, it'll probably be really cold because <laughs> it always seems to be really cold at Burnley. I remember turning up once, and uh, all the uh, the press deck was basically completely frozen when we got there, and then it thawed, and and we were all just sat in water basically. <laughs> um, but that's just you know, Burnley, that's the sort of thing that you've got to put up with at Burnley. It's a you know, it's got an older stadium and. And it's the same for the players on the pitch and some of their facilities as well. And, and that's part of the, yeah, Burnley use that well to their advantage. Uh, but also, they're a very well organised team. Uh, they're well drilled. They're not going to roll over and make it easy for you, even if they aren't on uh, great form. But ultimately, they haven't won in this year, have they? I don't think. And, and therefore, and therefore, you've got to say this is a good chance if you're going to get points away from home. Um, Yes, all right. It's, yeah, we can target those games uh, against the teams uh, around Saints, but actually going to somewhere like Burnley, this is a good chance. This is a good chance. You you would hope at least a point. A win would be obviously fantastic, but it, even if they could get a point, you would say that's pretty positive because they've got the Stoke game. They could win that. We're looking a little further forward now, but if you get four points from those two, then I think you'd feel things are still heading in the right direction. So uh, a, a big chance for Saints, I think, this weekend. And I remember Dan James talking about, and I totally agree with him, the really uncomfortable wooden seats in the away end. So if you are going to the game, take a cushion with you. Um, Robbie, what I was going to say with regards to, um, to Burnley, um, I, I guess Saints have looked a little bit more comfortable playing away from home over the last few weeks. I mean, atmosphere aside at St Mary's, and Adam's spoken about it before, the, the way that Saints are sort of set up to counter-attack means that hopefully with this sort of run of away games, obviously they are critical, but maybe going to Burnley, playing away from home, we might have a, a, a you know a bit more of a chance just due to our sort of current tactics. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Um, I've, I've got Burnley down for us as hopefully wise as, as a minimum of the draw I, I think the fact that they're not scoring many goals um, is great for us to be honest because like I say with McCarthy and goal he's getting better I think that will give the lads confidence to maybe push and counter more um, with that confidence behind them and also the fact that like I say they're not scoring many goals we've got many I mean you, we, we don't have an out and out 
goal scoring leader on the pitch now so with anyone able to score they're going to have to take that into account as a negative for them because they've got all out for the fact that we've got anyone that can come up and put one in the net so um, fingers crossed like I say I truly feel that this is an opportunity this this is a game that we can we should draw at least uh, and a win is a bonus um, and uh, it, it's an important game for us and uh, yeah fingers crossed and Mark, in terms of the, the lineup, would you change anything from the West Brom game yesterday or would you go with the same sort of uh, formation and tactics and uh, start an 11? Well, I'm a very big believer if a team won a game, I stick with it. Um, yep. Regardless yep. of the team we're playing, who we're playing against, um, if a winning team is a winning team. So the 11 players that won on Saturday, yesterday, should play again. I wish Gabby Adini would play more. Yep. I really do. Um, I really deserve feeling he's just getting left in the shadows at the minute. He's got so much potential. He really has. Mm. Just based on last season when he joined um, the cup final, I just there's something there. He's got something special, something I think, and I just think it needs someone to get it out of him. Um, but I do think he is definitely a confidence player. So when he came in and he was scoring goals when he first joined, you know, and then he had a bit of a spell where he didn't, and then his confidence went down and kind of where he's at at the minute um, is, is, not, is not the best. But I, I think I think looking at Burnley, because they're so compact at the back, I wouldn't... I would probably go with two up front to start with, um, just because if you can get a knockdown to somebody... Off Correo, or even if Gabby Dini did play, or you know, someone get a knockdown to one of the players and get get some shots in, um, frighten them, you know, a bit early on, um, just get at them straight away, um, because you know that, like you said, they haven't won in you know eleven games now, so you know if 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 they conceded an early goal, their heads might go down a bit, and you know, with with us winning yesterday. Uh, you know, you know, Liverpool have result aside, we, you know, we've we've not been doing too bad of late, really, to be honest. So, yep. you know, um, if 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 we get them get at them right from the get go, um, you know, I think they might be a bit. Oh, I don't know what you know. I think they'd be a bit nerved by it, to be fair. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think just get at them straight away. Um, it was really good to see Nathan Redmond playing um, yesterday as yep. well. Um, you know, let's say winning team, I'd probably go with it. Yeah, no, I think there'll be a few Saints fans nodding in agreement with your Gabbiadini comments. I think I'm probably one of them, uh, Mark. And Adam, you, you mentioned there, I mean, obviously it is a, a crucial run of games now, sort of uh, through the end of February, through March. So, I mean, how important is it that Saints sort of take each game at a time and don't sort of think about what's coming around the corner, just try and focus on that, that next game, really? Good cliche. Thank you. Just take it one game at a time. Yeah, I, I try to get one in at least every podcast. Yeah, well, I think... It's a game of two well, laughs. Yeah, exactly. From, the, from their point of view, it's the only way to go. That's, there's, there's no other way. It's for, it's for us and for everybody else to worry about the uh, run in general. I just think, I'm picking up on what, you know, some points made there. I don't honestly think that we'll see Saints go with two strikers, really, because it's not happened yet. So I don't, I don't foresee it happening before the end of the season. I also think that part of the problem with um, there's been a there's been a dual problem I, I get the impression he hasn't said it so I'm only second guessing but from what's happened that the perhaps uh, Pellegrino doesn't fancy Gabbiadini too much I mean he's certainly not had that many chances in fairness when he has played he hasn't actually been all that impressive but then Saints haven't been really set up 
to play in, in a style that would suit him either. So I think that's been a that's been a difficult part of the season. And actually, they look more comfortable. Though Carrillo's obviously only just arrived and is only just settling in, they look more comfortable just with that kind of target man. And and again, we <laughs> we spoke about it earlier in the season when Tadic kind of came to life when Austin was in the team. Um, you know, more of a not really a traditional target man as such, but more of a target man type. And and then there's Tadic again. He's a live wire, and then. Austin gets injured and oh, Tadic, you know, where is he? He sort of drifted off the radar a bit. Carrillo comes in and, you know, a big target man and Tadic, he's flying again. And mm. I think that's a real positive for Saints because I think that he's much underrated. Um, and when he's when he's ticking, the, the team are ticking a lot in terms of attack. The only other thing I think that, that could be considered, it, I, I imagine assuming the Bufal was back again, um, he could potentially bring him in for Redmond. I don't know. I tend to agree I'd stick with a winning team. But obviously, Romeu, uh was also left out. I, I suspect that was due to the fact that he's only one booking away from a two-game ban. So they wouldn't really want to kind of uh, have wasted that booking in a cup game, as it were. I mean, it looks like he probably will pick up that booking and get a two-game ban at some point. But um, obviously, he, he probably would come back into the reckoning again for... Uh, for a league match, so it'd be interesting to see what uh, Pellegrino does there. But yeah, in the, in the context of the season, uh, a huge run of games. Uh, Swansea moving changes it a bit, but huge run of games uh, and a good chance to to get off uh, on a positive foot. If I was thinking of Buffel's ideal matches, and I'm a big fan of Buffel, I'd be thinking February away to Burnley is probably not one uh, that you'd be thinking of uh, penciling him in for, but you never know, do you? But uh, there we go. Look, Robbie Mark, one word answer, yes or no. Robbie, we'll start with you. Will Saints stay up this season? Yeah. That's good enough. Mark? Yes, definitely. Excellent, done and dusted. Perfect. I'll take uh, I'll take that now. So lovely. All right. Well, let's have uh, let's have some predictions then. Adam, I'm going to take the pressure off our guests and start with you. Ah, oh, damn it! Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, I know you just copy you just copy our guests otherwise. So yeah, that's true. I would, uh, and I'm really torn as well. So I I'm going to go one all. I was almost going to go for a two one Saints win, but I think I'm going to stick with one all. I think a steady one all. Yeah. Take that. Four million points, yeah, good stuff. All right, Mark, what do you reckon? Uh, one nil Saints. One nil Saints, good stuff. All right, Robbie, can you beat that? Oh well, head says one one, heart says two one Saints. Good stuff. All right, well I, I've actually gone. Hang for on, a... hang on, hang on. You have to go for one because I, I said those two as well, and I had to go oh, for one. Honestly, you're such a you're such a stricter <laughs> with the rules, Adam. <laughs> go, on, right. go on, Robbie. I'll tell you what, I'm going two one Saints. 2-1 Saints, alright, good man, alright, lovely well I'm uh, a bit boring I'm afraid but I'm actually going to copy Adam and go for a one all draw so I probably, oh, probably, probably allowed to do that but uh, there we go, so uh, I think uh, I think you're right though Adam, if we can get four points out of Burnley away and stake at home, I think we'd all take that and then uh, focus on Newcastle can't we, so good stuff, alright, well that's uh, the predictions and uh, our summary of the uh, Burnley game As always, we are very grateful to you for listening to Total Saints Podcast wherever you are in the world. Don't forget you can follow the podcast on both Facebook and Twitter and get in touch at any time via Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com as mentioned. My thanks to Adam, Robbie and particularly Mark for joining us this episode. 
As mentioned earlier, keep fighting, Mark. Keep inspiring other Saints fans in the way that you have to date. Football is only a game, but the love and health within the Saints family is of vital importance to all of us. Good luck in the Great North Run. And as I mentioned, you can sponsor Mark on his Just Giving page. Finally, everyone at Total Saints Podcast would like to wish Hugo Schechter the best as he moves on from Saints. Hugo has given a lot to Saints and become an icon with fans in more ways than one. Thankfully, I'm advised he's not moving to Liverpool, but certainly wish you all the best, Hugo. Anyway, we'll be back next week after the Burnley game. Have a good week, everyone, and keep marching in. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.